Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. He says in verse 15, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. This is an obstacle that has to be fought through. This is an obstacle that there are so many false prophets of religion who all claim to lead their followers to happiness, to heaven. But these, these, these false prophets, he's saying they're dangerous because they're false. That means that they give a false comfort. Everything's gonna be okay, you're gonna be fine. No problem between you and God. These are false prophets. These, prophet, these prophets are, are dangerous because what he said in verse 15, which come to you. They're dangerous because they're reaching out to people to follow them. They're dangerous because they come in sheep's clothing. They don't, they don't look like what they are, but they are deceivers. They are deceptive. It says in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. Such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. No marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So they're dangerous because they come in sheep's clothing, because they transform, them, transform themselves into teachers of truth. They're dangerous because there's one common denial among these false prophets, very common denial that they teach, and it's given to us in 2 Peter 2.1. 2 Peter 2.1. These were also false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, and here's the key, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. That key even denying the Lord that bought them. In Jude 1.4, Jude 1.4 says, they are a certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. See, when it talks about this denying the Lord, denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ, it means they're denying the deity of Christ. They're denying that Jesus is God. Mormons deny the deity of the Lord by saying that we're all gonna be gods. Jehovah Witnesses, JWs, they deny the deity of the Lord by saying that he was only a man. This is the truth, this is God, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, this is man, that's true. This is what the Bible teaches. What Mormons do is they raise man up to this level and so deny the deity, of unique deity of, of Christ. What, what, what Jehovah Witnesses do is they bring him down. Just as simple as that. These are false prophets. These are false prophets. Mormonism, JW, many other false prophets typically deny 
the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's so dangerous because it says in Romans 10.9, Romans 10.9, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be, be, be saved. When it talks about confessing the Lord Jesus, it's talking about confessing that Jesus is God. And when false prophets deny that Jesus is God, it's very dangerous, very dangerous. Now, in the next verses, verses 16 to 20, the Lord Jesus now tells us how we can identify, how we can recognize, how we can see these are false prophets. And what he's saying here is that sooner or later, the unclean devil who is motivating them will lead those people to some unclean practice. It may be some sexual immorality, it may be some other practice where they'll be seen as bringing forth evil fruits, as he calls it. Basically, the Lord Jesus is saying, watch their lives. Don't just listen to what they're teaching, watch their lives, and it will become evident that they're false teachers because of, the land, because of evil fruit. He says, in verse 15, they're dangerous because, he says in verse 15, inwardly they are ravening wolves. He's saying that there's a latent aggression in them. There's a disguised anger in them. There's a goal to destroy under the surface of these sheep's clothing. And so what he's saying is that watch for it. Look, out for the, the, look at the person behind the teaching to identify the false prophet. Basically, the bottom line of what the Lord is saying here is verse 20 whereby by their fruits you shall know them. So the Lord here has been, has been in his teaching warning about how false prophets deceive. The subject is deception now. He's talking about false prophets and their, and their deception. How they deceive. Now he stays on the subject of deception here, and he, he, this is a false prophet deceiving others. But the subject is deception. Now he moves on to a situation where where the issue is now the deceived or those who are self-deceived. This is a situation where people are sincere. They're very sincere, but they're wrong. This is, a situa this is the problem of self-deception, which he explains now in verse 21. Verse 21, when he says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So again, from... It's necessary for a person to believe that Jesus is God, but just because a person may call Jesus God or Lord does not mean that he's going to heaven. And a person may recite perfectly these creeds, like the, like the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, for example, uh, the great words, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, all things visible and invisible, one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from God, the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. So a person may have learned that, may be reciting that often, but that doesn't mean he's going to heaven because there's a sobering statement which the Lord makes in verse 21 when he says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, what makes this even more serious about what he said is that he said that those who call Jesus God are not necessarily going to heaven. They're, 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 in fact, those who are going to heaven are a small number, he says in verse 22 and verse 23. He says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, then will I profess unto them I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work in iniquity. That's very sobering. 
It's a very sobering warning. So many people, he says, call Jesus God, and they have the worst self-deception possible because they sincerely believe they're going to heaven when they're not. But they believe they're going to heaven. And if you ask them, they will say, I'm 100% sure that I'm going to heaven. They will say there's no doubt about it. They're gonna, he says, I'm going to a better place. They say, I'm going to heaven when I die. They may even have in their Bible a date written down in which they prayed the sinner's prayer. They can tell you the time and place where they bowed their heads. They told God, I'm a sinner. They told God, I believe that Jesus is God. They told God, I believe that Jesus came to earth and died for my sins and rose again. They can tell you that they did everything, and so they're supposed to get into heaven, and they're calling Jesus Lord, but they're deceived. They're part of the, not necessarily, I'm just saying there are some, but many, he says in verse 21 and 22, who call Jesus Lord, not going into heaven, because he's gonna say in verse 23, I never knew you. Wow, that's a dilemma. That's a problem, that it's possible for a person to be so deceived as to done everything he should be doing, as to call Jesus Lord, think he's got the, everything checked off on the, on the requirements, and then he gets cast into hell? That's a problem. That's a real problem. And so it, it, it's possible for, this kind of leads you to think, well, it's possible for a person to regularly attend a good Bible-believing church, a good Bible-believing preaching church, call Jesus Lord, be cast into hell? Wow, that's an issue. That's a real issue. So that leaves us with the burning question. What is a person supposed to do to make sure that they're a part of the, sm of the small group going to heaven and not a part of the many who are calling Jesus Lord and being cast into hell? I mean, how can a person be sure that he's not part of this large, self-deceived group uh, calling Jesus Lord who are really destined for hell? Well, the great thing is here that the Lord has not left us hanging on this issue. And, and how to be sure that, uh, uh, that not to be a part of the self-deceived, hell-bound group that called Jesus Lord. The Lord Jesus has told us in verse 21 how to not be self-deceived when he said, verse 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Okay, great. What is the will of the Father? What, what do I gotta do? What, what are the commandments that I gotta do? What, what are they exactly so I get into heaven? What's the minimum requirements? Okay, so he's told us what the will of the Father was. The will of the Father, he said in John 6.40, John, John 6.40, he said, this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up the last day. The key to what he's saying here, same in John 3.16, is this believe on him. Everything on that phrase, believe on him, is hinging on one little word. It's the word on, believe on him. And this is where the Greek is so critical here. And, and, and because the Greek word translated on is the word ice, which means into. You know, normally I don't do this with the Greek so much, but this is important here. This is very important. This word on is the word into. Ice is the word. Ice is used 829 times in the New Testament. 576, 70% of the times that it's used, it's translated into. The first time ice is used in the New Testament was in the history of the wise men that traveled far to bring gifts to Jesus. In Matthew 2.11, Matthew 2.11, when they were come into the house, 
They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their presents, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. That's the first time and an important time that the word ice is used in the New Testament when it says they came into the house, when they were come into ice, the house. So they had come to the house where the Lord was, and they didn't just stand on the outside, and and they didn't just believe that Jesus was in the house. They didn't stand on the outside and ask someone to carry their gifts into the house. They went into the house, Matthew 2.11. They went into ice, the house. And that picture shows the meaning of the word ice and why it's so important when the Lord says in John 6.40, John 6.40, this is the will of him that sent me that everyone would see the Son and believeth ice, believeth into him, may have everlasting life and I'll raise him up at the last day. So you see that picture of the wise men when they come to the house where Jesus was, they're believing into Jesus, they're believing into ice. Jesus meant that they didn't just stand on the outside of the house where Jesus was with a firm belief, Jesus is God, Jesus is there, Jesus is gonna die for our sins, he's gonna rise again. Believing into Jesus was for them entering into the house. Believing into Jesus is not just standing on the outside and sending gifts, it's entering into ice, the house. This is the same word that's used in John 3.16, John 3.16 where it says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth ice in into him should not perish but have everlasting life. So that raises the question, well, what does that mean? What does that mean to believe into Jesus? What does that mean to be like the wise men and enter into the house, spiritually speaking about Jesus? It means to be like those wise men when they entered the house in Matthew 2.11, Matthew 2.11, it says they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So believing ice into Jesus means to worship the Lord Jesus and give him all, surrender all. Believing into ice, believing ice into Jesus means to have a life of Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20, where it's a life of, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So to believe in Jesus, to believe into Jesus, means to be crucified with Christ and to have Christ living inside the person. To believe ice into Jesus means to have a life of Galatians 5.24. Galatians 5.24. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. To believe into Jesus means to crucify the lust, personal lust. To believe into ice Jesus means to have a life of Colossians 3.3. Colossians 3.3, ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So that means that to believe into Jesus is to have a secret, hidden life with Christ. To believe ice, to believe into Jesus, means to have a life of 2 Corinthians 13.5. 2 Corinthians 13.5, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know, know you not your own selves how that Christ, how that Jesus Christ is in you. Know you not how that Jesus Christ is in you. To believe into Jesus means to have Jesus Christ living inside the person. To believe, to believe ice into Jesus means to have a life of 1 John 5.12, 1 John 
He that hath the Son hath life. That means to believe into Jesus means to have the Lord Jesus Christ. To believe in, in, in Jesus, to believe into Jesus, means to have a life of John 15, 5. John 15, 5, where he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. That means that to believe into Jesus means to abide in Christ, knowing that without him nothing can be done. To believe in Jesus, to believe into Jesus, means to have a life of Philippians 1.21. Philippians 1.21, which just simply says, for me to live is Christ. To believe into Jesus means to have a life where Christ is living out his life through that person. So all of these things stacked up means it's very dangerous to assume that there is a back door for backsliders to get into heaven. Very dangerous for a person to assume, well, I'm saved, I prayed the prayer, I know I'm not living a real life with Jesus, I know I'm part of that group that's backsliding, but they're gonna get to heaven, there's a back door for backsliders, and once I'm in heaven, it's gonna be so great. Very dangerous position. Now, <clears throat> we can learn a lot about the self-deception from the, from, from, of these people who are, who are being cast into hell by looking at what they said. Looking at what they said in Matthew 7, 22, Matthew 7, 22, verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. So the key to identifying self-deception that leads to this being cast into hell is this one word in that verse, and it's the word we, we. So he says, in, in, in Matthew 7, 22, he says, have, not, we, have we not prophesied? And by implication, we cast out devils. By implication, we done many wonderful works. See, the group of self-deceived self are making three arguments for why they should be led into heaven, and all of these three arguments center on what they have done. They're basing their arguments for why they should be led into heaven on their own works. They've been, they've been preaching and, and, they, and, 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 on, that's a and on their works of casting out devils and on their works of doing many, many wonderful works. They are relying on that. They're trusting in that. They're trusting in the record of their works. It's all about works, works, works. It's the same today. If you ask a typical person why they, why they should be led into heaven, they'll say, I'm a good person, I've done good things, I've been, I give to charity, I haven't murdered anyone. It all starts with the word I, in their case with the word we. And then they go on to say whether they have done or they haven't done, it's all about works. And this is exactly what the Bible says is not the basis for being led into heaven. In Ephesians 2.8, Ephesians 2.8, where it says, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Salvation is by the grace of God, not from our own works. We are not the result of our workmanship. It says in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So the reason that God does not allow anyone into heaven based on their works, he said, was in Ephesians 2.9, Ephesians 2.9, not of works, lest any man should boast. God doesn't want any boasting. He doesn't want anybody to boast. And you look at this group here, 
in verse 22, and you can see they're already boasting. They're boasting about their works. They say, Lord, Lord, have not we prophesied in thy name? Thy name cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works. They're already boasting. They haven't even gotten to heaven yet. And we can imagine how if they had gotten to heaven, they would meet people and they would say, hi, I, I prophesied, I preached in the name of Jesus, and my church ran about 1,000 every Sunday. And they would say, hi, I cast out devils from, from people in the name of Jesus. I put my hands on them, prayed, out came the demons. Hi, I did many wonderful works in the name of Jesus. God hates that. He hates that kind of boasting. And so he says, I'm not gonna have anybody boast in front of me. The only argument for getting to heaven is to look into the face of Jesus. And it, just like I look into your faces right now, let's just picture there was a big group of people here and there's Don, and he's among the people group. And I'm sort of scanning the people, and all of a sudden I see, hey, I know you, Don. <laughs> and Don looks at me and says, yeah, oh, wow. That's the basis. It's this mutual knowledge. That's where he, that, that's where he says in, in, in John 10, 14, John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. I know Don, Don knows me. And when we scan, and all of a sudden, it's that smile. It's that, hey, I see somebody. The 2 Timothy 2.19, 2 Timothy 2.19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 1 Corinthians 8.3, 8, if any man love God, the same is known of him. Now, to emphasize further that how, how to not be cast into hell from self-deception, the Lord then goes on to tell this parable of two people that built two houses. One of them built the house on the rock, the other one built their house on the sand. The storm came to both of them, and the house on the rock stood, the house on the sand fell. So the question really is, what made the difference between the house standing and not standing? It's obviously the rock. One had the rock, the other one didn't have the rock. And so the question then becomes, what's the rock? What is the rock that, that keeps the house from falling? The rock is Mark 12.10, Mark 12.10. Have you not read this scripture, the stone, or the rock, which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner? The rock is Christ. He is the rock. In, in Psalm 32.6, talks about a storm. Psalm 32.6, this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters there shall not come nigh unto him. But on the other hand, those on the sand, Psalm 73, 19, Psalm 73, 19, how are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. So the bottom line of his teaching kind of goes along this line. Faith and a personal relationship, or a personal, which results in a personal surrender, makes a believer. Life proves that a person is a believer. Trials confirm that a person is a believer, and, and finally death will crown that person with eternal life. And the response to all of his teaching was that it was so different. It was so different from the scribes. It was, it, that, that's how this, this chapter ends. The, people are astonished because they never heard these things before because the scribes appeared to have power from God, but they didn't. The scribes appeared to have authority from God, but they didn't. He had the power, he had the authority, the people recognized it. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you so much for our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for how clear he is in his, his teaching. Lord, thank you for how he doesn't leave us or anyone hanging as to what he meant and how to enter in and be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 